So maybe if you're not really good at numbers, maybe a syndication or a storage unit might not be good for you. Maybe flipping what might be a little bit simpler. So it really just, again, comes down to that. What are you good at? What do you feel like you would enjoy? For me, I love flipping houses. I always have because it's something that I'm personally drawn to, right? That I really understand. I'm going to take this dumpy house. I know what it is now. And I know what it's going to be when it's finished. And I could just see that vision. And, and personally, that's what I felt I was good at. And so that's what I did. I, na- I just naturally came to flipping because of that reason. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Tyler Jensen. Today, we're talking about a few things related to house flipping and generating passive income kind of around that business. And it'll make more sense as we get into it, but Tyler is a very highly, extremely successful house flipper who's done very well. We get into his business and the systems he's built around that. We also talk about some of the realities of owning, running, operating a house flipping business. You know, it's not really passive income in the way, you know, mailbox money in the way that you know, maybe a, a syndication or a cash flowing rental or self storage property or what, what have you what is in terms of mailbox money. Flipping is much more active. And we get into ways in which Tyler has built business systems within his flipping business some other ways in which he's diversified his assets and investments to get some of that mailbox money coming his way through syndications and storage and and other things. And this is really, I I see this interview as a lesson in value, entrepreneurship, and building systems. Because no matter how you invest in real estate, you need to understand the value of your time, the value of other people's time, and what it takes to unlock some of that value and gain mutual benefit. And that's what we we really get into today is some of the first hires that he made in his business, how he made those decisions, some hiring mistakes that he made. Really uh, interesting stuff. Like I said, if you're going to be investing in real estate, whether passively or actively, it's critical to understand these things and understand the value of your time and the value of others' time and how you can have a mutual interest and go further together. I learned a lot today and I'm certain you will as well. If you're new to the show, take a quick second, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And you will get your wealth away from Wall Street along with us here on the show. If you do enjoy the show and you're an Apple user, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating rating review, Five stars if you don't mind. It's much appreciated. It helps us rank higher in the uh, Apple ecosystem. And that means it helps other people learn about the show. Helps us grow and it helps me feel good because I get to see all the nice comments that you guys make on the show. So it is very much appreciated and it helps us and it doesn't cost you anything. Win, 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 right? I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Like I said, I learned a lot from our interview today with Tyler and you're going to learn a lot as well. It's really a lesson in time, value, and entrepreneurship and how that kind of jives with being a real estate investor. So you're going to learn a lot today. Without any further ado, here we go with Tyler. Tyler, thank you for joining us today. Totally, man. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I love your energy. We've been talking here a little bit and you've even stepped it up. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go, man. It's podcast mode. Let's go. I love it. So <laughs> for our listeners out there, you have a, a cool business and a cool model. For our listeners out there, can you please summarize what you do uh, in real estate and flipping and you know that grand strategy? Yeah, totally. So I own a flipping company. Uh, we flip houses here in Utah is where I'm based. And then also in Virginia, I have two different markets. And we do about 40 houses in each market. So we're pretty high level. We do a lot of flips. We have a lot of good systems and processes. We actually have done several like seven day flips as well, where we take a $40,000 rehab and we'll flip it in seven days. So we're just really efficient at it, really good at flipping houses. And that's kind of been my my go-to, right? Is that I love doing it. I, I always like doing it. It helped me kind of pay through college and stuff like that. So I just stuck to that and got really good at it and kind of perfected those systems. But that's primarily what our business is now. It's just we we turn a lot of properties and rehab lots of properties in two different states. So awesome, awesome. Well, I live in Virginia. We'll have to talk about that a little bit more. Oh, yeah, in your strategy totally, there, for sure. Uh, once we're done here, but you know, my my general feeling is that you know when you first get into real estate, no matter how you get in, you're going to learn about flipping to some degree, and we've all learned about it from from HGTV, and we don't talk about it very often on the show. Because my opinion is it's it's not a passive investment strategy. It's a, it's a business. You're running a, a you know rehabbing sales type of business, right? But and most flippers don't get to the point where you are, where you're flipping this number of houses and you have you know teams and 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 all of that in place. Can you tell us more about like the inner workings of your business and how you've managed to put the systems together so that you're not the guy on the ground, you know, swinging the hammer or finding the properties you're there in your nice office, making a healthy yeah, income. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So it really started, I started flipping houses in 2008 and it was really just me. I was the only one doing everything, right? I would paint, I would carpet, I would do tile, I would do all of it. Right. And I realized really quickly that I was making $10 an hour doing that, flipping houses. I would spend all my time, spring break, my buddies would be out partying and hanging out and I'd be laying tile, right? And that was just where I started in real estate. I didn't know anything better. I didn't know that I could invest in real in apartment buildings or anything like that. I just thought that flipping houses was a good way to make a good amount of money. And so I started that way. And then I slowly kind of over time evolved that system and, and I hired people that could come and help me and that I was working a W-2 job. I was going to school and I was just trying to, you know, do the whole corporate world, corporate America type path. And then, yeah, I realized that I needed help doing that. And that's really been a success factor to me is, is knowing that and understanding, hey, I may not be the best person to be laying tiles. Someone could do it way faster, way cheaper than I could. And I need to find those people. And so over time, I slowly started implementing those systems that someone else could do it, that I could have time back, right? I could go work on the business, not in the business, actually laying the tile. And so with that mindset, I kind of shifted and said, okay, hey, how do I grow this business? And how do I make it to something that's pretty substantial that is kind of operates by itself, right? And it was just really hiring the right people and then creating those systems for the people, for these right people that they can make stuff happen without me being there, right? I could still work my W-2 job and and work in corporate America, but still be flipping houses on the side, more as like a side hustle. So that's really the the foundation of where it kind of started is that I realized that, hey, I can't do this by myself. I needed someone that can help me grow this business so I can I can focus on the other things and they can work on flipping houses. And then eventually that evolved to what it is now that I have, you know, four different crews and, and a project manager and designers and 
a sales guy and, and all these other things, right? Positions in our company now that I can kind of sit back and I still work on my business. I just don't have to work in my business, which was the really, that was the goal for me is that I didn't want to create another job. I wanted to create a, a business and this essentially money printing machine that money would generate be generated that I didn't have to do all the work for it. So that was kind of the inner workings. And I totally agree that flipping is definitely, it's a transactional business, right? We're always looking for the next deal. We're always looking for the next house to flip and versus the, the passive side that you spoke to earlier, that it's not, it's not just money that comes all the time. It's very, we have to be active in finding the next house and finding new properties because it is very transactional. Yeah. So, and yeah, I guess, how do you deal with that, you know, reality and in, in creating passive income yeah, you've got your business systems that operate, you're at a higher level working on the business rather than in the business. But I figure, you know, you're in real estate, right? You want to get some true passive income coming in. Have you, you know, taken that flipping business and, and merged it with anything else to get some of that true mailbox money coming along as like, how does that uh, figure Absolutely. in your strategy? Absolutely. So when you're, when I first started, it was really important to me that I grew up broke, right? So I had no money and I didn't have a dad that could support me and pay for my college and all of that. So I needed to find a way that I could come up with high volumes of cash, right? That I could flip a house and make 30 or 40 or $50,000 on one house that would be more than what I could do working a W-2 job making $15 an hour, right? So I knew that I needed to create that cash. And that was really the idea of flipping houses is that flipping houses is really good and it's very lucrative because you can get, it is transactional, but those transactions are usually a good chunk of money. And so I realized that, that I said, hey, look, I want to flip houses so I can create a, a large nest or a pool of this money that then I can go and deploy and do something else to turn into passive. And I've really been able to do that as I've kind of grown this flipping business. We'll keep some houses and we'll turn them into Airbnbs, which is passive. And I have a you know a property manager or someone that manages those bookings. We have some multifamily units that we own that is, again, passive income that I have a property manager. They deal with all the tenants and just send me a check every month. And flipping houses kind of opened up the opportunity for that. That one, I had cash. And that also I was seeing a lot of properties and a lot of opportunities come to us through different streams of marketing or however you find your, your real estate properties. So I needed to take advantage of that, right? Hey, we have these houses that, hey, it's not really a flip, but it would make a great rental. Or this is a multifamily unit. Maybe we should look at keeping this. And then I, it kind of grow. Now I have cash. I flipped all these houses. Now I have this good deal of cash that my business can run by itself. What do I do with this this money and invest it? So like you, I know that we're both into storage units and I've invested in some storage units and some syndications and apartment buildings, but flipping houses really was that means to create that cash, right? You, you have two ways to do that. You either save money or you create money. And I decided for me that I needed to create that money so that I could invest it, right? Instead of working your corporate America job and all of that, the really only way to, to create capital is to save it, right? You get paid, your boss pays you, you take a portion of that, you invest it into your 401k or some other real estate. But for me, I, I needed to do both, right? Live on less and, and save and then invest. And then I also needed to create more income that I could be able to put into these investments. So that was the strategy and the approach of why flipping houses was kind of that beginning to me is that I could do both of those, right? I could save money. I could still, I could create money. And then I could also put that money into investments. 
And it just was a lot quicker path to me than trying to do it on my own working in corporate America. Nice. I like that. And since you've got, you know, your hand in, in, in both of these pots, the, you know, active investing and, and passive investing, one of the questions that I, comes up, I think when people really first get started as real estate investors is in deciding their path, you know, again, we're most, most people are familiar with flipping, right? And I think the big question is whether flipping is right for, for somebody out there. And obviously there's a lot of listeners listening to us right now. We don't know all of them, but yeah, sure. If you're somebody, you know, if you rewind time and you're thinking about if I'm somebody at that fork in the road, am I, am I going to go flip is flipping right for me? Or should I go, you know, you mentioned storage or syndications. What are your thoughts about that? And, and deciding on that path, which is right for who, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. So my background was in operations. Operations and accounting is what I was really good at. So knowing the numbers and understanding systems and processes. So I kind of grew up in the corporate America world in manufacturing. And so it's all about systems and processes and creating efficiencies. And I was really good at it, right? So that was one of my strengths. So how I would answer that question to you is, is flipping is very much project orientation, right? You're dealing with contractors, you're dealing with raising capital and meeting with investors. And you really have to have this timeline of, of projects that you're following and project management. And so if that's a skill that you feel like you have, you can be organized, you can talk with people, then flipping is definitely a good strategy to go, right? Syndication is more like, how good are you at raising capital? And are you comfortable understanding the numbers of what a syndication looks like? And so really the simple answer to that is, what are you good at, right? What do you feel like is your superpower? What do you feel like you're really good at and that you could just dominate at? And then do that. For me, Flipping came naturally to me because I was already in operations. I under I already understood processes and systems and and how to produce an end product, and it, it just really came natural to me. So I said, "Hey, look, I, I can focus on this, and I can actually get really good at it." And so, what is it that you want to do? Is it buy and hold? Okay, what do you have? What does that look like? What would that pass if I chose to just go into single family buy and holds? What would I have to do? I'd have to be able to source properties. I'd have to be able to come up with cash to buy these rentals. I got to deal with tenants or I got to find a good property manager or like on your side, storage units, you have to figure out how to raise money and how to analyze a deal. So maybe if you're not really good at numbers, maybe a syndication or a storage unit might not be good for you. Maybe flipping what might be a little bit simpler. So it really just, again, comes down to that. What are you good at? What do you feel like you would enjoy? For me, I love flipping houses. I always have because it's something that I'm personally drawn to, right? That I really understand. I'm going to take this dumpy house. I know what it is now. And I know what it's going to be when it's finished. And I could just see that vision. And, and personally, that's what I felt I was good at. And so that's what I did. I, na I just naturally came to flipping because of that reason. But if you're just starting out in real estate, my advice is to really look at all these options, wholesaling or flipping or syndications or whatever. What would you be good at that it's not going to work every day? You get to wake up and be like, hey, I'm flipping houses and I love it, right? And that's what really makes the difference in successful people, I feel like, is if they're truly passionate about it and they're good at it, right? If those two things merge and you feel like, yeah, I'm passionate, I love taking this crack house and I love turning it into a nice, beautiful home for somebody, I'm passionate about that, it gets me excited and it just pushes my success to go further. So same with you, right? In, in syndications, you probably are naturally drawn to that. You might be an analytical guy. You like looking at numbers. You like 
raising capital and talking with people and, and you kind of took that path as well. So just find out what you're good at. There's so many ways to make money in real estate that find out what you love, what you're good at, and just do it. You have to take action immediately and just jump into it and get some knowledge and some experience, listen to some podcasts, but it really is just taking action and finding out, do I like this? Do I not? Okay, maybe I need to shift and pivot and do something different. Nice, nice. I really appreciate that. So I, in that setting up systems and building teams and working on the business rather than in the business, I think that's such a huge topic. And, you know, I, reason I want to talk about is I just hired my uh, first executive assistant, you know, I'm working on getting her up to speed and everything and, you know, thinking at that higher level. But, you know, for your purposes, you're the first people that you hired and, and getting past that, I guess, mental hurdle of, hey, it's $10 an hour that you're, you know, not spending that time on, but it's still, it, it can probably feel like money out of your pocket, you know, initially first time you do it. How did you think about that and making that first hire and focusing on the value and building the business when, you know, in, in a certain sense, it could feel like a cost or, you know, a capital outlay or something like that, if that makes sense. Sure. And it, it totally does. It's scary when you're making someone else's payroll, right? Like I, I totally get that hundred percent. I feel you there. Cause I went through the same mental process. Right. And for me, it was like, I wanted to figure out one, how do they pay for themselves? So how do they create enough revenue or enough value that they pay for themselves, right? They're going to produce something that they do is going to produce revenue that will pay for themselves. And for me, that was what I, how I would look at that is that this is an investment I'm investing in this person. And the return on that investment is that they're going to be able to do more than I could. And I'm going to get time back. And time is so important, especially as a business owner or a side hustler or wherever you are in your path, right? Is that it's all about time. How much time do you have? And so for your executive assistant, what is your time worth, right? If she could take off things for you and off your plate, then she's going to give you that time back, right? Like I said before, accounting and the financials was what I was good at. But my first hire was a bookkeeper because I knew that that would just, I didn't want to spend time doing data entry and I didn't want to look at that, but I knew how important the numbers were. And so I hired a bookkeeper. I said, hey, I need your help just to data input all of my transactions, right? What does that look like? Am I making money? Am I not? And I probably could have done it myself, right? It would have taken me a couple hours every day to do it. But to me, I was getting that time back and she was paying for herself. She was paying for that. Now I could make good financial decisions. Now I had these, this, these analytics that I could use to grow my company. Okay. Hey, where are we making money? Where are we not making money? How do I grow that? And also gave me that time back. I didn't have to spend the two hours putting data entry in and same with you, right? Having that assistant, she can do whatever it is that she can do for you, but it gives you that time back. Now you're in that mentality. Instead of working in your business, you have the time back that you can work on your business. And it is scary and it's tough. And even now I look at my payroll and I'm like, holy cow, this is crazy. All these people, <laughs> right, are depending on me to make sure that we perform and on my business, but they all pay for themselves, right? And they give me time back that I can step back and be at that 50,000 foot level instead of putting out all the fires. They take care of the fires and then they come to me and say, hey, look, just so you know, we put out this fire. That's what happened. And oh, great. Good job. You did that. I didn't have to waste the three hours or whatever it was to, to do that. So you're in, you're on the right place, man. Like it's scary and it's tough, but you're making good steps to actually grow your business instead of be in your business. 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure she's going to watch this interview or listen at some point. So yeah, yeah. shout out. But awesome. re- regarding hiring your bookkeeper, I, I, I want to ask how you you know drilled that down and picked like the right type of bookkeeper, just not to belabor that example, but you know, there are bookkeepers out there that work for, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, I'm sure. And then there are bookkeepers out there who, you know, are overseas. You can hire for, you know, four or five bucks an hour or something like that. And and I don't know who your bookkeeper was, right? But how did you narrow that band down to, you know, you want to focus on the value, but you also want to pay a good market price. So totally. how did you define all of that and, and narrow it down and make a decision? Yeah. So it really, that first hire, and even now when I hire people is, do they fit in my culture? One, right. Am I going to be able to work well with this person? Are they, do we have similar personalities that we can, we can work well together and that we create a good team together. Right. So I want people in the right seats. What are they competent at? What are they really good at? in this case, bookkeeping, right? What are they really good at? Are they passionate about it? Do they enjoy doing it? That's important to me because the last thing you want is a bookkeeper that hates doing bookkeeping, right? <laughs> how talented they are, it's it's going to make your life miserable, right? So really, in, in, when I hire contractors, it's the same thing, right? You're a painter. Do you love painting? No, I just do it for the paycheck. Okay, well, that guy probably isn't going to do a good of job as if the other guy's like, yeah, I love painting houses. Painting houses is my calling in life, right? For me, definitely not, right? That's not my calling in life. But for to some people, it is, right? So that was important to me. One, were they competent? Do they have the skills? And then culture would be the other thing. Do they fit in my culture? Is it someone that I can work with, that I can train, that I can grow into a new position? Is it someone that wants that opportunity? But yeah, those are really the two things. Are they competent and do they fit in my culture? So that's what I would I would suggest anyone who's hiring that and there's different ways like we use culture indexing in my it's like a personality profile and you can look at what people are good at the disc test is a great way to do that there's tools out there that you can analyze people's behavior and personalities um, but for me when I first started it was just like I what's my greatest need right now what's taking all of my time and it was bookkeeping and then it was I needed a contractor, right? Because I, I didn't want to lay the tile anymore. I was sick of doing that. And so I needed someone that could go and take care of all that for me. So what is the, your greatest need? I remember someone told me, write down a list of everything you do in your business, write it all down. And what's taking most of your time that you can hire out and delegate. And for me, that was bookkeeping, right? For you, it's an exec- executive assistant. And take all these things. And I said, Hey, I need to delegate to this. Could I, it, even if they don't do as great as job as I would do, it's okay. Cause they're still going to be eight out of 10 instead of 10 out of 10. Like me is eight out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Because it's going to give me more time to work on my business. And so that's how I really looked at it is what do you need in your company and how, do, what's that person? What does that look like? And then how can I get that time back? And I, Hey, I, I know I'm not going to get 10 out of 10 doing these books. Cause I'm not doing them but I'll take an eight out of 10 and I'll pay her and then I'll get that time back. And now my, my time value is even greater. Nice. I love that. Hopefully that helps and answered your question. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think it's, especially when you're, you're, you know, making some of these, these important mindset, mindset shifts. I mean, I read the E-Myth years and years ago, right? Oh yeah, uh, totally. It, sometimes I'm a, I'm a little slow on the uptake though. So, you know, in, in hiring this executive assistant, you know, it, it did take that time of writing down all the tasks that I'm doing and what's taking right. my time or shoot, what am I putting off that I, I can't find the time to do it. I know exactly how it would be done, but it's going to take 
you know, 12 hours. Well, I don't have 12 hours to, you know, scrape out of my schedule. So totally, I hear you. No, I I appreciate uh, that description. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Tyler, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Yeah, so education is definitely a good one, right? And then I would also say that the best investment I ever made was in joining a mastermind group. So getting surrounded by people who were doing more than me, right? Getting mentors. And that was a big investment for me when I first started flipping houses that I was doing a handful a year. I was running kind of a scrappy business. But what really excelled me is that I surrounded myself by people who were doing things better than I was, right? So I could learn from their pitfalls. Tony Robbins says, turn decades into days, right? Find that mentor who can help you turn decades into days. And for me, that was a big investment. And it was something that was really powerful to me, but made a huge impact on my life, right? Uh, It's a lot easier to fly with eagles than it is to fly with turkeys. And I felt like (laughs) I was surrounded by turkeys, right? People that told me I couldn't grow a business and that I should stay in corporate America, and that I should do all these things, right? Kind of all these these turkeys, right? These naysayers. And so for me, I, I wanted to fly with the eagles, people who were, were actually doing deals and actually doing volume and where I wanted to go. So I reached out, I made an investment in, in a mastermind group and still to this day, I'm a part of it. And it's just truly changed my life. So not necessarily education, but more investing in, in mentorship has made me a ton more money than I ever could have made on my own. That's fantastic. I think like we were saying before, most flippers, the overwhelming majority do not get to the point where you've gotten and in in getting to know and you know being in real estate myself, I see that that's across the board no matter what type of asset class you're in or strategy you're in, most people don't get to that super elite level and probably 99 out of 100 of people that do get to that super elite level are in some kind of mastermind like that or or invest significantly in their network, their education. So absolutely, I certainly appreciate that. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment? Oh man, so many, so many worst investments. Yeah, particular deal you're talking or just worst investment ever? I'll, uh, I'll let it be, you know, dealer's <laughs> choice. Whatever is worst to you. Worst investment to me was actually, I'm going to say hiring the wrong person. And why is because the cost of that is probably staggering. If I really were to sit and look at the opportunity cost that I lost by hiring that wrong person, it probably cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? And it's not really, it's hard to put an actual tangible number on that, but I, one, I rushed it, right? I, I hired the wrong person. I kind of knew they were the wrong person, but I really felt like I needed it right now. My hair was on fire. I needed someone to put out the fire on my hair, right? And so I hired this person. wasn't really a great fit for our culture. wasn't you know wasn't extremely competent. I had to train him in a lot of things, and it really just looking back at that, it was probably a, a terrible investment that I made because I was I wasn't patient. I didn't hire the right person. And so when you do come to that that point of hiring that we already talked to, right? That, yeah, just make sure that it's a good fit, that it, it really is the right person. You're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole, which is what I did, right? I tried to just force it in there. Hey, right person on the bus, I'll figure out where they sit in the bus, right? But they shouldn't have been on the bus in the first place. And so that was really a bad investment that I probably lost 
hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars by hiring the right person and then being slow to get rid of them. I knew that they were cancerous. I knew that they weren't doing a good job, but I kept hanging on to them. And looking back, I'm like, man, that was the totally wrong decision. I should have just hired the right person in the beginning and I would have, I would have been in a much better place than I was. So, wow. so Good lesson very much on, on theme for our conversation today. Yeah, so exactly. I, I right. Appreciate that. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah. The most important thing that I've learned in my personal career is that you can do it right. That there's all these things out there and it's so intimidating, like understanding a syndication and, and how to do a storage unit property. It's really overwhelming. And the number one thing that I feel like has made me successful is that I'm willing to fail fast, right? It's okay to fail. A lot of people are so terrified of that, that, Hey, I, I, I'm going to fail. Well, what happens? And I, you have all these what ifs that the what ifs would really never happen, right? So my biggest thing is to take action and to truly believe in yourself that you can do it, right? I'm, I'm an example of that, that I kind of rags to riches. I grew up broke and have had nothing. And it was up to me to make it happen. And once I decided that it was really up to me and I didn't care what all the turkeys were saying, right? Perfect example, that I stopped listening to those people. And I stopped listening to people who told me that I couldn't do it. My friends, I had family members, I had all these other people that said, hey, just you went to school, you spent all this time, all this money in your education. Why would you leave corporate America? And why would you start your own business? That's crazy, right? You have a good 401k and you have a good income. And, and that stuff really wasn't important to me. What was important to me was freedom, freedom of time and freedom financially. So if you are listening to this and you're just getting into real estate or you're, you are in real estate, you can always do something better, right? There's always improvement that you can make whether it's on you, whether it's on your mindset, whether it's on your financial situation, there's always, you can always go up, right? So just, you have these limiting beliefs as people, this kind of natural man that we all have and we all have to deal with. But once you can kind of break that barrier and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to try this because I really, I love the idea of doing a syndication or I love the idea of taking an old crack house and turning it into something really cool and making a good income on it, Right then just believe that you can do it. That's really been... And even to this, I still have that imposter syndrome, right? Well, what if I lost everything? Or what if I did this? Or why do I have this success? I shouldn't have it, right? I'm not worthy to have this. And you got to just break past those limiting beliefs that you really can do that. When you set your goals and you put your mind to it, and then you take that action, that's the number one thing that I see people, they consume content, they listen to podcasts, but they never do anything that we talk about on a podcast. And so it's, it's really that mixture of first overcoming that fear, that false evidence appearing real is what Zig Ziglar used to call it, right? So it, it's just that false evidence of appearing real. I can't do it. I'm surrounded by turkeys. I'm just a turkey. I'm never going to fly with eagles. There's no way I can be a millionaire. Once you kind of break that fear, and then the second step is to take action. And once you take that action, then it's really, that's a powerful combination. You have that belief that starts the engine and then that action is the engine that keeps moving and, and propels you forward. So those are my two pointers to anyone who's just getting started or no matter where you are in your career, right? You can always go up. So get rid of those limiting beliefs and take action. It's okay to fail, learn from those failures and just continue to grow and improve. And, and one day you'll look up and be like, holy cow, I, I did it, right? I achieved these goals that I wanted to. Okay, what's next, right? Where do I need to go now? I need to do the same thing, rinse and repeat. I'm going to get rid of my limiting fears. Okay. Now I'm going to take action in the next thing. So 
that's what I would say. Long-winded answer, but. No, I love it. I love it. I feel like you're going to get some angry turkeys knocking on your door, though, saying totally. you need to come up with a new analogy. Us turkeys are, are a proud bird. But yeah, uh, yeah, right. Anyway, Tyler, thank you for joining us today, sharing us all this awesome information uh, with us. If folks want to reach out, they want to get in touch with you, find you on the internet, whatever, where can they find you? Yeah, for sure. So uh, a lot of different ways that you can find me. I do a lot of coaching if you're interested in flipping houses through seven figure flipping is kind of our coaching program, our coaching medium. It's also a, a mastermind group that I'm part of uh, that I care really a lot about. So seven figure flipping is a great way to get me and access to coaching or questions or anything like that. And then also find us on Facebook, Tyler Jensen on Facebook, Utah house flip is my company. Uh, you're welcome to, to research us there and yeah, find us any way that you can happy to help. I love doing coaching. I love giving back for podcasts and stuff like this. So happy to help in any way I can. Awesome. Well, Tyler, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying this show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. Helps other people learn about the show, helps us rank higher in their algorithm and all that great stuff. Uh, if you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them try. I hope you had a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.